HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to this special episode of Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Kat Johnson, and today I'm actually not on the road. I am at home in the studio, but I have some folks joining me who are from outside of New York City, but they used to live here. Um, they are Michael and Tara Galena of Vicia in St. Louis. Um, Michael and Tara uh, are both alums of Blue Hill at Stone Barns. Uh, welcome to both of you. Thank oh, you. Excited us. to be here. So I want to start off with um, Blue Hill. You were just telling me that you you worked there. You met there. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's where it all began. Um, tell me a little bit about your background there and um, how that led you to St. Louis. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, I'll let Michael. He he started. He was the he was the first one there. So I'll yeah, let you so start I, the story. Yeah. So I worked with uh, Dan at Blue Hill, New York, for. A number of years before that, and then took the job as uh, chef de cuisine at Stone Barns. Uh, I guess about five years ago, um, was up there for a total of four. Originally from St. Louis, so I think that's what kind of drew us back was just going back and visiting and seeing how you know the city was growing and the food scene there was really starting to evolve and become some something pretty incredible. So um, just you know all the great, great, incredible things we got to learn at Stone Barns from Dan and from working on the farm up there uh, to be able to kind of take that back to where I grew up and you know, to that food scene there was, you know, something special. Yeah, I um, I started working at Blue Hill um, in 2012. Um, I was in the city before that and then started an apprenticeship. They do something called the Farms Apprenticeship Program, which is just one of the most coolest things I've ever done and, and that I think that is amazing that they're doing. But it's really targeted between farming and front of house uh, service. Um, so kind of learning both ends of that. So it was like going to graduate school for like sustainable agriculture mixed with like an incredible restaurant training experience. Like it was really very unique. So I signed up to do that for six months just thinking like, well, why would I not do this? This sounds like an amazing opportunity. And a couple of months in, we had met and started dating like, you know, what happens at restaurants and <laughs> you spend all your time with the same group of people. Um, and it just so happened that we, you know, kind of did the whole restaurant romance cliche. Um, and yeah, ended up getting married a couple of years after that. Um, and then when we decided it was time to kind of spread our wings and do something on our own, yeah, to Michael's point, it just felt really right to, to go back and do that in St. Louis. It's interesting that you were doing a program that related farming to front of house. I think it makes a lot of sense for chefs and back of house to really have a good understanding of where the food is coming from. But as a, from a front of house perspective, what did being on a farm and getting that hands-on experience uh, teach you? And 
did it make you like better at your job in any specific ways? 110%. Yeah. I mean, serving is storytelling and especially at a restaurant like Blue Hill, that is like the whole experience as a, um, as a captain there. And when you go dine there, it's like, you're learning about the food that you're eating. So, um, so having that intimate, like I've dug this out of the ground myself, or I've shoveled the poop for these pigs. Like, you know, you're like, really like we did it all. Um, you know, I think really just changes the way you talk about food and the way you can relate it to people. And I think just the appreciation factor alone and being able to respect what's coming out of the kitchen and knowing, you know, how much time they've taken to prepare the food, but then also understanding like what went into even making that food a possibility, um, from like time that seeds planted in the ground to what you have to do to even prepare the ground for the seed. I mean, like all that crazy stuff, um, really, it changed my life. It changed the way I think about food, um, how I wanted to celebrate it and, and definitely being a really great storyteller. And Michael, before you were at uh, Blue Hill in the city, where where were you before that? Uh, I was at 11 Madison Park. So I actually worked with Daniel Hum um, right out of culinary school in San Francisco at Campton Place. Uh, and when he took over at 11 Madison and moved to New York, uh, I had the opportunity to kind of come with him. So that's that's what really spurred my whole moving to New York and, and then working with him for a year before I met Dan. But you thought you'd only be there for like a year. What was your oh, like, I, yeah, I, back I, to San Francisco? <laughs> I actually, when I moved to New York, I had never even been to New York before. Wow. So I flew in, <laughs> like uh, met <laughs> this person somehow that I got an apartment with, uh, picked up my keys, and yeah, been here then I guess about eleven years. And are you originally from San Francisco? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, originally so, from St. Louis, culinary school cool. in San Francisco, and then then New York. So, what do you think um, are like some of the main differences between cooking in San Francisco and cooking in New York? Um. I think it's a, a much faster pace in New York. Um, I, I think that's about it. I mean, I think, you know, food-wise, I think they're both incredible cities, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of great food. Um, but, yeah, I would say probably just the fast pace. I mean, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, I remember it's like you're almost kind of done at like 9.30, 10 o'clock. It's a little bit slower. Uh, New York, it was kind of like go, go, go from the very beginning, so it's a lot faster pace. Is there a big difference in how you're sourcing food in California? Uh no, um, or San, California or St. Louis? In California. So oh, like Cal- the thing, like California's region, like the produce there is Yeah, incredible. I mean, you have a lot more, I guess, you know, at your fingertips all year round than, you know, in, in New York, you're really uh, pushed to cr- cook with the seasons, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I think is a lot of fun. And I think that's what really forces a lot of creativity, especially on a farm like Stone Barns, where it's like you're really not doing any ordering. You know, it just kind of what shows up at the back door each day is what you celebrate. And that's what we try to do at the restaurant in St. Louis is, you know, we've built a lot of great relationships with a lot of the local farmers and they shoot me a text message. Uh, I respond and it's really I, I I want it to be more of a farmer driven menu to the sense of um, I don't order as much. I ask them, what do you want me to use? And what comes in is what we what we try to you know really showcase on the menu. So what's on the menu right now? Uh, kind of the last of summer and then beginning of fall. So last of the tomatoes and corn and a little bit of eggplant and first of kind of, uh, a lot of the squash and apples and, you know, pears. And quince. quince. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's hard cause you want to, you get really excited. You're like, Oh, butternut squash. I've missed it so much. But then you're like, Oh, but I'm also going to be eating this for a really long time. So let's not, let's not get into it too soon. <laughs> it's like it all of a sudden just ends like, and you're like, I miss tomatoes now. Yeah. Um, right. but yeah, so this is like a wonderful, I think this is my favorite season cause you're getting both of them. Like when they're still really amazing and then it's like November comes and everything just like turns cold and not as, not as colorful. Yeah. And I think uh, 
you don't uh, you don't until you really source like really really hyper local you don't understand necessarily where the seasons always begin and stop like as a customer you you know the spring it starts to get hot outside so you start seeing asparagus and peas but really that doesn't happen until like late april may so that that winter season can really hold on so you know if we're trying to keep summer around as, as long as we can and um it says here that you um you try to cook vegetables in a way that people have never tasted them before. What are some ways that you're taking, you know, an ingredient that people have seen a lot, tomato, asparagus, and then you're doing it in a, way, a new way so that people are excited about it um, and it feels new? Um, I mean, I think, you know, we use our, our wood fire cooking, you know, our, our grill a lot. So uh, submerging things in the grill, hanging them up top on top of the grill and just kind of letting them smoke. We try to think, you know, outside the box of like, oh, what vegetable can we turn into a taco shell or, um, you know, different ways of cutting things. But I, I really think, you know, lots of animal fats. So lots of like kind of trying to age beets and carrots and stuff like that and beef fat and then grilling them and really kind of bringing that meat and potatoes, you know, kind of taste to a beet, you know, to a certain extent. Is St. Louis a big like meat and potatoes oh, yeah. place? Well, I mean, it is. It, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of places are. I think the... It, the assumption is that Midwest, like, yes, it's steak and potatoes. And and there are people that are definitely looking for that. And we are not the restaurant for all people. And we never, you know, intended to be. But I, I am surprised at how many people come in who maybe have a really, like, I'm not going to like this mentality, but my friend brought me and so I'm going to try it, you know, and end up, like, being like, wow, I never even thought I liked broccoli. But I just had it the way you prepared it and I've been missing out my whole life, you know. And it's, it's neat to kind of make those connections with people and get them to just think about things a little bit differently. I mean, they may not eat this way all the time, um, but I think we're starting to see people feel like, oh, I'm going to take the chance and I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. And I don't miss that like huge pork chop that I'm usually eating. Yeah. I think a lot of times with vegetables, people associate vegetables to growing up and getting like a grocery store carrot or beet or something like that. And when you have, you know, a really good beet, it's it's different than, you know, what a lot of people grow up with sometimes. So I think that yeah. that's the preparation is to, definitely a big part of it. Yeah. Obviously what you're doing in the kitchen, but I think like just the quality of the food coming out of the ground is, is also a big, big factor. So, um, I think it's been, it's been exciting to get people to be excited about vegetables. Was this the first restaurant that e- you each opened both together yeah. and yeah. separately? Oh, yeah. Yes. So what was the, the journey like from, from moving to St. Louis and then opening Vicia, like what was that timeline like? And then what were some of the challenges involved? Yeah, so many. Um, so we um, we left New York almost exactly two years ago. Um, so the end of October. Um, and then we, you know, we kind of, we were like, let's just settle in. Let's check things out. We don't know what we're going to do. We think we want to open a restaurant, but we should like do a little, you know, let's just kind of do a little get to know you type thing. Um, so we were like, let's do a pop-up dinner because that's kind of a nice way to just sort of test, test the waters a little bit. And we found a really cool spot that, you know, was closed on Monday nights and we're like, Hey, do you mind if we, you know, do an event? And I think we were excited and we're like, I hope people show up and we ended up selling it out and was like, this was great. Um, and next thing you know, a year went by and we did 20 pop-up dinners, um, which was definitely not our intention in in the beginning. But, you know, people in St. Louis were really welcoming and a lot of chefs were like, hey, my kitchen's always, you know, open if you ever want to use it. So we kind of just kept taking up people on their offers. Um, And more and more people were coming to the dinners and becoming regulars at 
the dinners and it started to feel like we had this like mini restaurant. Um, but on the side we were, we were building what we have now. And, um, so it was all new construction, everything from the ground up, um, which really, you know, took a long time. Uh, everything does take three times as long and cost three times as much. All the rumors are true. That sucks. <laughs> um, you know, but on the, on the plus side, like we did get to design it ourselves. We got to create something that we, you know, really were proud of and, and feel like is really beautiful and a reflection of who we are. You know, we got to just customize, you know, every aspect of it. So there was a lot of things that just took a long time to finalize the details on and, you know, from finding money to pay for things to the actual like construction to getting, you know, permit approvals and, you know, finding all the people you need to build these things for you. I mean, everything just took a long time, but we stayed busy, thankfully, that whole time with these pop-up dinners and kind of kept the momentum going. And um, we were able to essentially already have a customer base by the time we opened the doors. Um, Whereas, you know, opposed to just being this new restaurant that no one's ever heard of, like we already had this kind of thing established. And the funny story is that our opening night was actually a James Beard Foundation dinner, which was not the plan. We had like signed on to do this dinner months and months ago. And we're like, we'll definitely be open. Like, this will be great. We had chefs coming from Nashville. And um, thank God the ovens work. Otherwise, I don't. That's like a real test. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, yeah. the like the you know we're down to the wire, and I'm like talking to these contractors, and like you don't understand, like I can't cancel this dinner. Like the tickets have already been sold. Like people have made travel plans. Like this has to go on. And so thankfully that was a little fire under their butts to totally. to get it wrapped up. But that was like our first night. It's like I had like my staff. Like we'd barely had time to train them. Like I'm like, oh my god, what a what a what a yeah. thing to do for our very first night. But thankfully it went really well. Everything worked. Everyone did a great job, and it was kind of a a neat way to just kick things off. Totally. And that, that year also gave us a really incredible opportunity to, one, build a good staff, you know, and really kind of get to know our management team and, you know, source some really great cooks. And then also we traveled all throughout Missouri and Illinois um, to meet with farmers and build relationships where, you know, we source all of our product from right now. Um, you, you're you located in the Cortex community, which um, you, you say that is like a really big, um, exciting place to be. For someone who's not familiar with St. Louis, tell me about that community that you're in. Yeah, so there's the kind of the whole vibe of St. Louis right now is is it a good place in terms of just like wonderful, smart people creating really interesting businesses. There's a, um, a huge entrepreneurial community um, in the in the area we are. Cortex is really about sort of this mix of startups with major companies that are having more of that startup like feel that want to be involved and like reconnect with people who are kind of just getting started. So, um, there's a really interesting cross section of, of young people that are, you know, working like in a co-working space and sharing a cubicle and trying to, you know, get their business off the ground with like a Microsoft who's building their Midwest regional headquarters across the street from our restaurant. Um, so it's, it's interesting in that regard. And so we're kind of, we figured when we were looking at a place to go, there's a lot of really wonderful historic neighborhoods in St. Louis. But what we're what we were creating was something different, something a little outside the box. And when we got to know this area more, it felt like, well, let's be surrounded by people who are also kind of thinking that same way right now. So we're we're the first restaurant in that area and kind of the, you know, planted our flag in the ground and we're like, we hope other people come down here too. And um and so that is gonna start to happen now. You know, it's all new construction, so everything takes a lot longer than you want it to. But um but it is brought people to that area who probably had never heard of it before. Um, you know, it's still the name Cortex in St. Louis is still kind of a uh, we're still trying to grow that like 
people's understanding if they're not in tech and they're not in any of these kind of startup environments. Um, so we have a lot of opportunity to reach new people that way. Um, but there, our restaurant is really two different concepts in part because of where we are. So our daytime experience is totally different than dinner. It's counter service. We do like a rotating selection of sandwiches, tartines, grain bowls, you know, pastries. You pick two things for $11 or three for 14. It's really reasonably priced. You can get in and get out in like 15 minutes if you need to, um, to really kind of target those people that are, you know, on their lunch break can't really get away from their desk for more than, you know, a few minutes. Um, and then at night it becomes a destination and we're, you know, bringing people from all over, um, to come for dinner. Is that challenging to make that switch every single day or is your staff like, I don't know, you know, I, it all just kind of happened really organically. Like I think in the beginning I thought it was going to be really hard, but it, it just like, because even though we're doing it casually during the day, the service is still the same. Like it's still really well executed. Like the, you know, all of the values that anybody who's working lunch is the same as who works dinner. They have to know the same information. They have to know where the food's coming from. Like we're trying to provide a really wonderful service experience for a really great price, you know, during the day. So the whole thing kind of just, I don't know, it just works somehow. And tell me about your pastry program. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we have a wonderful pastry chef. Her name's Summer Wright. Um, she has been with us since we, before we opened and we had many, many test sessions, uh, sitting in random spaces, eating croissants and various things that she would bring us to try. Um, but we, between the pastries and then also our bread program. Um, so we have, uh, one of our sous chefs actually worked with us at Blue Hill. His name's Alec Shingle. Um, and so he has been this whole time developing our breads. And so the two of them together have really, um, created something super special. Um, we have four different breads that we're, we're serving right now at the restaurant, some for lunch, some at dinner. Uh, we're working with um, freshly milled whole wheats. We've got a small mill, so we're, we're trying to really bring attention to a lot of um, grains that are kind of grown in the Midwest but aren't as, as well known. It's it's hard to find really good wheat in the Midwest, which sounds silly because it's like growing everywhere, but it's not the kind of wheat that you want to use to make really good breads. Um, so we're involved with um, a group called the Missouri Grain Project who's trying to get farmers to grow like heritage wheats and, and things that are really great for breads and pastries. Um, so they've really kind of taken, taken that and run with it, which is nice. So we also do lunchtime only. We have a couple of different cookies. Our chocolate chip sea salt has been on since the beginning, and I think people would kill us if we took it off but um she does awesome like financiers and turnovers and croissants and um just really like beautiful seasonal desserts and you know those are just available until they're gone I love the the stone mill that you have is that something that you make very like visible and you tell people about a lot um not as visible as we try to talk about yeah. it a lot I mean we on the menu we we just call the bread turkey wheat which hopefully sparks the conversation of this ancient grain that's grown in Kansas that basically almost went extinct years ago, and people are starting to grow it a little bit more now. Um, but it's fun because most people are like, "So is there turkey in the bread?" Right. Yeah. Um, so but it gets the but question, it, gets it gets people, people talking, talking and asking questions. It gets people going, and I'm like, yeah. actually, no, it's just it's a type of wheat that was brought over by Turkish immigrants. Like that's that's why they call it turkey wheat. But no, there's no meat in it. Um, but then we get to talk about it. And right now, this um, sourdough bread that we're making with the turkey wheat, we've been able to get up to 80 percent whole wheat, which is um, which is awesome. And we just kind of keep pushing that since, since yeah. we opened. And for our taste menu, we do a course where everybody kind of gets up off the table right now and goes out to the grill and has some of this like grilled to order flatbread made with um, whole grains and our sourdough starter. And, um, you know, kind of gives also gives us another opportunity to talk about that. We'll sometimes throw in the turkey wheat as well to talk about the mill and fresh milling grains and, and a little bit more bread conversation. It's very cool. I also hear that Blue Hill is now doing the stone milling. Oh, they oh they're yeah. the Cable next side. level. Yeah. Next level. Yeah. You got to have the little portable one. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're... <laughs> yeah. But baby steps. Like we're right. continually inspired by everything they do there. And um, we're, you know, constantly trying to find a way of 
taking those ideas and things that we learned, but giving them our own spin and, and in, a, in a way that makes sense for the, you know, the environment that we're in. So what do you think is uh, on the one-year horizon, five-year horizon for your restaurant as well as for St. Louis, St. Louis's food scene as a whole? Um, I mean, I think starting big, talking about St. Louis, I think, I mean, we're obviously newer to the market now being there, but I think in the last five years, it's like changed like night and day. I mean, I think I met Michael and I remember him telling me like, well, the only thing there really is to eat back in St. Louis is toasted ravioli and, you know, pizza, <laughs> Emo's pizza. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of the the wrap that people think about a lot. Of it. But I think there's so many interesting chefs oh, yeah. there now that are, are doing some really amazing food that could be in any city, like regardless of just thinking about St. Louis. And I think more people like Michael who had the opportunity to go out and learn from other chefs in, in, in larger markets are, are coming back and saying, yeah, like, let's do something in St. Louis. And um, so I think you're going to see more of that. I, I think more people and like we've had some conversations with other chefs who I think are kind of like, so what's your experience been like? Like, I'm thinking about it, but, you know, like I want to be I want to be sure that like that's something that I should invest in. And I think the like general people that live in St. Louis are really interesting. There's a lot of people from all over the place that live there because of the universities and the hospitals and and so they're expecting, you know, high quality food and high quality service. So the demand is, is definitely growing for for more opportunities like that. So I think for for the city, I think you're going to see more people coming back home, or at least I hope so. Um, I think for us, I mean, we're seven months open now. Um, a year will be in March. And um, I think to think what we've been able to do and pull off in that amount of time, like still amazes me. And I think five years from now, I mean, I think... I can't think of opening another restaurant right now because it's, it's still so fresh. <laughs> um, but we would love to do something else. I think that's a little more um, focused on some of these artisanal things that we're, we're producing and being able to expand that. We have a pretty tiny kitchen that we can only do so much out of. And I think we'd love to be able to, to grow, you know, the, the charcuterie program we have and the bread and all of that. But just need, need a bigger space to do it. Well, tell um, our listeners where they can find you, both physically and online. Of course. Physically, um, we are at 4260 Forest Park Avenue in St. Louis, Missouri, in the Cortex Innovation District. Um, and we are online at viciarestaurant.com. And all of our Instagram social handles are at viciarestaurant. Um, you can follow Michael at Chef Michael Galena. I'm at Fun Fearless Foodie. Love that. <laughs> it's like, so, well, it's, it's, it was like a blog I started back when I lived in Florida before I had anything to do with food. And I've just kept the name because why not? You just, you grew into it. I did. <laughs> I did. It became your reality. It did. <laughs> well, Michael and Tara, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm Kat Johnson. This has been Heritage Radio Network on tour with Michael and Tara Galena of Vicia in St. Louis. Thanks.